What's up, my friends? Gabe here, and I want to take a moment to tell you about a couple of games of mine that just launched on Kickstarter. Now, on the podcast recently, you might have heard me talk about the series of solo games I've been working on called Hunted, and they're finally available. In Hunted, you're on the run from an overwhelming force that's trying to take you out. You'll push your luck drawing cards trying to get the actions you need to find weapons, items, and new locations as you try to escape. But be careful. If you make too much noise, they'll find you. Each game in the series will have the same core card play mechanism, but a completely different combat system and style of play. And these first two games are Kobayashi Tower, in which you work your way through a giant skyscraper trying to rescue your wife from terrorists, and Mining Colony 415, in which you fend off bloodthirsty aliens as you try to get back to your spaceship before the entire place self-destructs. So, if you want to feel like an action hero overcoming incredible odds to save the day, these games might be for you. So please check out Hunted on Kickstarter today. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talking about working together, talking about building a team. We're talking about collaboration, and we're talking to Sean Stankiewicz from Flat Out Games. Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, Gabe. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, man. Glad that you're here. I'm excited to talk about this. This is not a, a typical topic. This is not something that, that I feel comes up a lot. It's not a system that a lot of people use as far as collaborating and working with other people and kind of building a team, so to speak. You know, most of the time, design is one person or maybe a co-designer, but then, you know, maybe hiring out some uh, contractors to do different things, but you're, you're doing a little bit different of a system. And I'm really interested to talk to you about it. Cause I think maybe this is something that would work for a lot of other people. But before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get into game design? That kind of thing. So I'm a Canadian originally, uh, born and raised in Manitoba, Canada. Um, so I got into games, uh, you know, just like everybody else when they were a kid, uh, playing the standards like your Monopoly and Sorry and getting into Risk and that sort of thing. And uh, I guess I joined uh, modern board gaming in the sort of Catan, uh, Carcassonne wave. Um, uh, geez, I guess that's been about 10 years ago now almost. And uh, so started getting into that. Uh, got into that with a couple of my really good friends, uh, my partner Molly Johnson and uh, uh one of my best friends, Robert Melvin. And so we kind of got into games around the same time and, and played a lot of uh, hobby games together. And uh, uh, they are, it just so happens that those two are the other co-founders of Flat Out Games. So we just decided to someday, one day we just decided to get into designing board games because we were spending a lot of time playing games and thought, hey, this is something that we could use our kind of creative energy and we all have different skills and different interests in games and game design. So why don't we give it a go and see where it goes? Yeah, very cool. And so let's get into the topic. We're not really talking about co-designing. It's a lot deeper than that. So like what's a good working definition when you say collaboration in this, you know, field in, in the gaming category and game design, what do you really mean? Well, it's, it's an interesting, interesting question uh, because I think we've gone through um, a bit of an evolution in terms of what we're really doing in games and game design and kind of more broadly even into game publishing, which is what we're started branching into now. Um, so the three of us started kind of as co-designers in a, in a sense, but uh, we were always really interested in 
uh, the game design industry and like what ways we could um, bring value to the game design industry and then and what interesting ways we could work together. So um, designing games was part of that um, for sure. Um, and now we have several co-designs that the three of us have worked on, but uh, we're also starting to branch out into publishing. So the game that we have on Kickstarter right now is called Calico and it's a game by Kevin Russ. Uh, when we saw the game, when we played it with Kevin, uh, we were just really intrigued by it. We thought this game is super elegant. It's really interesting. And we also really like Kevin. Kevin's a really good friend of ours and said, you know, what are you planning on doing in terms of like getting this game made? And and so he sort of said, you know, I think I'll go the traditional route of, of pitching it to a publisher, or just trying to get my game out there. Uh, so we kind of asked the question of, you know, what would it look like if we try to structure a team to bring this game uh, out uh, to the public together, you know, and how could we build a collaboration that would do that? And so um, I think um, like the traditional idea might've been for us to just say, well, let's be a publisher and let's just sign this game from Kevin and do it in a really traditional way. Um, but what we decided to do was to say, what are all the pieces and parts of the team that need to be, you know, what do we need to do to make this a success? And let's find people that want to work with us and we can share in the challenges and the and the um, work that's involved in getting us us there. And then we'll also share those rewards equally, you know, like let's try to just build a collaborative uh, team so that we can make this game together and not have this sort of traditional hierarchy that is sort of like game designers, game publisher, game developer, those sorts of things. Uh, different roles. Um, we all sort of play the roles to our different strengths and that sort of thing. So we kind of got into it that way. That was how we started to branch out and start to think about um, collaboration in a different way. Gotcha. And like you were saying, most of the time, you know, a person has a game they've designed and they're trying to get it signed to a publisher. And so they go out and they do pitches and they do sell sheets and all that normal traditional stuff. And then the publisher effectively licenses it, that licenses the game from them, signs it from them and kind of takes it and then go, you know, runs with it. But what your system is, you basically turn that designer into a partner, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and we're still um, figuring out all the nuances of it, of course. And um, I think one of the big things, one of the cornerstones of what we're doing relies a lot on trust because I don't think there's a lot of um, precedent for this exact kind of way of working, especially on the board game industry. So we basically just have talked to Kevin and recent, and as we worked with Kevin, we also brought on uh, David Yetzi, who's a game designer uh, to help with development, um, as well as additional you know, help with the Kickstarter and uh, Dylan Mangini, who's also a game designer and developer, and he's also a graphic designer. So we brought in kind of a full team and then we decided uh, to work with Beth Sobel as an artist. So we've been working closely with her as well. So basically we kind of tried to set up this team in a very kind of loose structure at first to say, hey, the, the idea behind this is that we want to reward the members that are part of this kind of equally for their contribution in terms of the level of effort and work. Um, and, you know, we're still have a semi-traditional relationship with Kevin as the designer and us as the publisher, just for some of the, um, the logistics of it and the sort of uh, the, I guess, legal background and the contract language and all that kind of stuff. We still have to try to build enough uh, uh, protections for our different entities through that. But I think what we're trying to do is, is look at a profit sharing model that 
basically incentivizes everybody to work really hard as a team together to make this thing as successful as possible as a team so that we can all share in that reward. So I guess that's kind of how um, how we started to to put it together. Gotcha. Well, I guess the biggest question I have is why? Why travel down this road as opposed to just becoming a normal traditional publisher? That's a really good question. I think it stems from our idea of collaboration that came from starting as co-designers. Um, uh, you know, Molly, Rob, and I each have different skill sets and we each contribute different things to the design process um, and also kind of the whole business of basically like making games and then getting your games out there. And so we've done the the pitch to publishers. You know, we worked w really closely uh, with AEG on Point Salad, which we're really excited about. And that's kind of was our first game to hit um, the market. And so the whole process of like getting a game to that point involves a lot of um, kind of discussion, negotiation and decision making in terms of like how you work together. And we found that there was so much value in just having the three of us to bounce ideas back and forth, to make decisions together, and to be able to just uh, play to our strengths. And then if any of us had a blind spot or a weakness, we could kind of help each other through that. So it all stems from working in that kind of an environment and then wanting to say, okay, well, you know, we're equitably splitting up uh, the, the rewards of working together. How do we like build that team a little bit bigger so we have more capacity to do stuff? And I think the real answer to why is just partly it's just what we believe in. We believe in the idea of trying to build a sort of worker co-op of game design and developers who are really um, working together to get the most reward for everyone involved. And so um, doing away with some of that hierarchy um, can be challenging because at the same time, we're trying to build a business that can sustain itself, obviously. Um, but I think one of the best ways to, to do that personally is just that you have to find great people to work with and then make it really great to work with you you know so giving back to the people for the effort that they've put in i think is a really important um, aspect of of what we're doing and i think so far the six of us that have been working on calico plus beth you know the seven of us really that are part of the core team um we've just been really happy and we're really excited uh to work on more projects together and so i think when you all come together in that regard, it just helps everybody to stay motivated and also um, just build a good relationship. Yeah. Now, a lot of your founding members were friends or people you had pretty good relationships with. What does it look like going forward as far as finding new members? Like, do you have a process? Do you kind of have an interview system? Like, what are you going to do down the road as you look for more people to add to the team or to replace people on the team? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's it's so far it's happened really organically, um, and it's been sort of based on sort of the judgment of our small team, and because it's been a small endeavor, um, we just built really good relationships, uh, mostly here in the Seattle area, um, and so you know we're working on um, a fall, another game. We've got another game project um, in the works right now um, with another local designer here, and so it, it just. Um, so far, based on the scale, we've been able to just do it really organically and just finding uh, if there's a game we really love and we think like, hey, this is a thing that we can bring value to and we can um, basically offer the designer an opportunity to be really closely involved in how that game becomes a product and how it gets out there into the market. Like, I think that is what we're really excited about. And so, um, you know, right now we're not taking pitches or anything like that as a publisher because you know we're designers ourselves but we're doing this in a very kind of grassroots uh, uh way where 
you know, if the opportunities sort of arise with different people that we have a relationship with, then that's kind of the trigger where we'll say, hey, we should, you know, we should try and make this happen. Um, obviously, like capacity and and timing is is the biggest challenge. But so far, it, honestly, it's been kind of like a snowball that's just been gathering people and momentum as it's gone. So with our next collab initiative, we were jumping from like six or seven people to, you know, eight or nine people. So we're kind of adding on, but all of the members of the original collab are like, oh yeah, I'm super interested in working on this next project. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting how we scale up into the future, but for right now, um, it's working really well at our size. Very cool. All right. So tell me about how you share responsibilities because with a game, it's not, you know, if you've got five people working on it, it's not 20% for everybody. That doesn't work out exactly that way. So how have you come up with a system that kind of puts the responsibilities out in, in different ways? Well, that's um, that's kind of the biggest, one of the biggest questions, right? Anytime you try and build a, um, build a team to do, do something you want to, um, I guess our goals are that we want to play to people's strengths. So we want to basically allow people to do tasks they feel like they are good at and that we can uh, basically get the best, best possible result. Uh, but we also want people to learn. We want to be an opportunity for people to get education in different areas, right? So one interesting example is that Kevin, uh, Kevin the designer, is really interested in graphic design. So he uh, did a lot of the graphic design on the game. Uh, he did the graphic design so far on the rule book and that sort of thing. So Dylan's been a graphic designer for many years, and he has a lot of skills. So it's really been a good opportunity, I think, for the two of them to work together and to build skills as they go. So we're really interested in uh, in sort of like um, basically getting the best possible product while also being this kind of educational, um, everybody learns something through the process. Um, in terms of how we split it up, um, we are basically, you know, we just meet as often as we can to um, kind of divide and conquer with the tasks at hand. Uh, we're still definitely still learning because uh, for a lot of us, it's our first time through this process. So as things come up, uh, folks just have to jump in and, and do what they can to make sure that things get done in an appropriate time frame. Um, and we're basically just, you know, keeping track of the number of hours. That's just our effort spent. Um, and we, uh, you know, at this point have a philosophy that, you know, everybody's time is just as valuable in different ways. So some of us bring specialized skills, you know, graphic design, graphic design work is maybe billed out at a higher, uh, higher hourly rate, let's say, than uh, working at a booth at a convention. But our perspective and, and our way of working right now, at least, is to just uh, say that, hey, we all have strengths and weaknesses and we all have to get the high level stuff done and the low level stuff done. So, uh, you know, everybody that's putting in effort is, is going to get rewarded for that effort. And um, so that's basically how we've been running it so far. And so, so far, so good, I think, on that front. Yeah, very cool. And so do you have almost like a like a big Google document or some kind of Discord channel or something where you kind of post, you know, here's the weekly opportunities so we need to get some playtesting done, we need graphic design done for these cards, whatever. And then people kind of say, okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. Hey, can you do this? Is that kind of how it works? Or walk me through what that looks like? Yeah, I think we rely pretty heavily on Slack, our Slack channel, sort of constant uh, stream of, of dialogue of, of the team. Um, and then, you know, we use a lot of different Google documents to track different things and to work through different things. Collab 
working collaboratively and and we're not all in the same spot uh you know a few of us are here in seattle kevin kevin lives in portland uh, molly's up in victoria right now and rob's back in manitoba so we're all in different places so we need to rely on those digital tools to help us stay organized um it's definitely not a perfect system at the at this point and and i you know we're always looking for better better tools to help us stay more organized yeah. So do you have everything kind of categorized? Like here's the design category, development, playtesting. Is that how it works? Or, or kind of tell me about the organizational part of things. Yeah, we do have it categorized. And that's mostly just when we're recording our hours that we've spent on things. Um, and then we try to to organize all of our files and our some of our Slack discussions into those different subsets. Uh, just it's mostly so that we can track it and try to understand like where we're spending our effort so that when we do our next game, we can start to look at like how much time and effort are we spending and also financially, right? We're, we're recording all of our, um, all the expenses to the project obviously have to get recorded and then have to get paid out uh, before, you know, any, any profits are able to be split, but um, it, it's going to allow us to like take a step back afterwards and say, um, you know, how valuable were the attending these conventions and, you know, uh, what about this advertising that we did and how, how that work and, you know, how many hours did we spend playtesting versus just developing as part of our team and, oh, did we, did we do enough of this or not enough of that? And so we don't, we don't have a ton of data at this point because it's our first time, but uh, even just after one, we'll be able to, to look back and reflect on it. So we're kind of in the process um, of always like kind of evolving and there's a lot of lessons learned so far that we're like, you know, next time we'll know better than this and we'll get more efficient at that and that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. So for some of the other skills that maybe aren't quite as represented with your team, you know, things like accounting or marketing or logistics, what's the plan for that? Are you going to try to bring more people onto the team? Or are you going to contract out some of those things? What's that look like? Um, so, so far between the six of us core members were, we're handling a lot of that stuff. I've, I've, I've kind of said that we're pretty design development focused group. Um, and so, you know, we don't have like a knockout, like marketing person and that sort of thing. So I think we would always be in, interested in working with more folks that really have those skills and really like want to focus on them. Um, I think one of anyone on our team would kind of tell you that I'm the person who, sort of is interested in all those things and can, like as the like taking on the role of the fearless leader I often try to say okay well I'll just I'll take care of this or I'll look into that or that sort of thing and so sometimes you need one or two members that can kind of be the glue that holds it together um, but then also realizing that sometimes your strength um, as a leader means that you're not doing some of those smaller tasks that just need to get done. And sometimes it's just in your head and you're like, okay, I, I can just get this done quickly because it's easier for me to get it done than to delegate. And this is, this goes down to like the one-on-ones of, you know, management and delegation and all those sorts of things. So it's trying to understand uh, how to most efficiently use time. So I think that we, although we're doing a lot of that stuff internally in the future, it would be really nice to be able to scale to a point where we can have people that are really passionate about all those, the, all the aspects like marketing, like logistics, that sort of thing. And, and we do within the team now, you know, like, um, Robert is a, is a logistics, uh, basically a logistics person. That's what he does as his day job. Right. So there's some, he has a lot of like skills and knowledge in terms of like how to get things like that done. Um, so we're definitely going to be, um, 
playing to those types of strengths. Um, but we're always looking for new collaborators that can really like lean into a skill and really just help br- bring value to the team. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I think there's one thing a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are thinking it's how in the world do you split the profits? Right. And so I don't want you, you don't necessarily have to go into a bunch of financial details or anything like that, but help me understand how you're, you're figuring out the financial side of things, making sure that it's fair, making sure that, that people are, are feeling good about the way things are being split up. How are you doing? Yeah. So this is this was probably one of the biggest challenges. And as we set out on this, we didn't have a good roadmap for uh, exactly how we would do this. Um, so like I said before, a big part of it was trust and just trusting that like the those of us that are involved um, really want the best for all of us. And um, we understand um, that, you know, as we start to do the work and we're really honest about who's doing the work and and how long it's taking the people to do the work that we're recording that. And, and basically um, we um, are taking the profits from the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, so it's, it's very focused on making the game as successful as possible via the Kickstarter and, and, and post Kickstarter, it gets a little bit more, it gets a little trickier to um, basically to count profits, profitability on a project as it goes into retail and, spends you know more hopefully <laughs> spends time in retail spends life after the kickstarter right now we don't have any uh particular plans nailed down besides allowing uh, retailers to back our game but hopefully that the the calico will be successful enough to get into distribution and get into retail someday um so what we're focused on now is that the collab uh splits the profits of the kickstarter campaign uh basically taking the Kickstarter number, the amount of uh, backer pledges we get minus, uh, you know, all of the expenses it takes to get those games in the backers hands um, all all the way up from our sunk costs uh, at the start and the financial costs that the company incurs through that. And then we just take a look at what that number at the end looks like. And then we divide it based on the effort level of everyone on the team. And so Flatout Games, all the members of Flatout Games are part of that pie. And so we're getting, you know, each of us is getting a chunk. And so um, members are able to kind of do what they want with that equity. Um, We have talked about uh, opportunities to, uh, you know, collaborate and kind of use um, some of that equity to grow and do other projects and that sort of thing. So we, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Uh, but the idea, you know, the principle there is that, you know, we're really just splitting it equitably and, in the most fair way possible, um, at least for this initial Kickstarter. And then beyond the Kickstarter, um, we have a relationship with Kevin and a, and a contract with Kevin that, uh, that looks at, you know, how we split up the profits between him and between flat out because flat out will basically be kind of shouldering the burden of all the work uh, associated with uh, post uh, campaign copies and that sort of thing just because um, you know the collab itself will sort of be wanting to be moving on to the next game and the next game and that sort of thing so we've tried to make it so that um, there's a lot of flexibility for the members who want to be part of it to go on a game by game basis so we're not these aren't employees of our company or anything like that, but it's collaborations uh, basically with uh, um, essentially consultants where, you know, we all come together and then kind of split those profits up uh, according to how well the project does. So everybody's taking risk and then being rewarded together. And so we think that's a good model to motivate everyone to, to do the best possible job. And so then everybody has a stake in it. 
Yeah, this is such an interesting system. I mean, for a normal scenario, if I'm a publisher and I have a game that I want to put up on Kickstarter, then I'll go out and I'll, I'll find an artist, an illustrator, a graphic designer, you know, all those kind of people. I'll contract mm-hmm. them and say, hey, I need this many pieces of art and this many card templates, whatever. And then they'll bill me and I'll send them the money and I'll have the stuff. And then hopefully the game funds on Kickstarter and hopefully I make money long term. But with what you're doing is basically that graphic designer and that artist or, or illustrator, whoever, they're coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to hedge my bets, basically, and hopefully make more money long term. But I'm going to take a risk, not get paid up front, wait till after the, the money comes in and then get a percentage of the total profits. And I think that's a really interesting system. How difficult do you think it would be for other companies to kind of shift to this model? Is this something that a lot of other companies could do? Or or do you think only certain sizes of companies could sustain this kind of thing? Help me understand what you're looking at as far as growing this opportunity. Because I'm assuming you want to do more games. You want to, you know, be a company that's here for the long term. You're not just doing this for one project. I think doing this for one project wouldn't be that big of a deal. But you're wanting to do this for a while. So help me understand what you're thinking about, what you're looking at, how this is going to work long term. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And 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 I think it's one that I've often, you know, we've all thought about, you know, where, you know, what's the future of this kind of a model? Um and I think, you know, uh cooperatives exist in in a lot of different industries and I and it's certainly part of kind of our philosophy in terms of thinking about our worldview and and how we want to, you know, make creative things in the world. Um and you know, we just feel like um People working together um, towards a common goal should, you know, split those, split the proceeds of that kind of in an equal manner. Um, I think the biggest challenge is is that kind of idea of scaling, right? If 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 our company leaves too much, uh, if our company allows too much of the capital from the gains on a successful project to basically just leave the company or to go to consultants and paying them uh, really high amounts of money based on their effort, um, then it could really mean that we could struggle to scale up or could struggle to survive long-term. Um, so it, it, it's exactly what you said, where um, people are kind of signing on to this with um, the risk that they're putting out as their time and their effort. Um, so to be clear, like with our with our artists, we didn't do this model um, because we didn't, we were at a stage where we didn't think it was fair to ask an artist to, to basically do work for, for nothing and, and to, to have those contributions uh, over time. And so it, it really, I think because we weren't as close and could have that uh, same kind of conversation, um, I think it's something that in the future we'll, we'll try to talk more about. It's like, how do we, how do we decide where those lines are, right? But with graphic design, it was different and we had a more of a relationship with the graphic designer. And so that was kind of more fluid in terms of being part of the group. So I do think that it might be challenging to try to transition to this type of a model from a traditional publishing model, just if for no other reason than the fact that um, you've already got the kind of infrastructure in place and you have a certain level of profitability that the company is relying on to scale and grow uh, as it is intended to. Um, but, you know, for right now, what's 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 great about Flat Out Games is that um we we're doing this as a hobby and we're doing it for fun and we would love to be successful and we'd love to be able to dedicate more time to it Um, but we have that luxury to try out this experimental model because um you know nobody on the team is full-time and nobody is doing this to uh you know put food on their table at this point so we we have a lot of privilege in that regard and i think it's uh it's we're trying to expand and, and and understand ways in which of 
we can do business that maybe is different or that might be more beneficial to designers or more beneficial to any collaborator, um, developers, any, anyone involved. So I think, um, it's, it's kind of, it's just been an interesting experiment and, uh, it would be really great to talk to more folks, um, who are interested in trying something like this out, um, just to, to talk through, um, you know, some of the pitfalls, the challenges, but then also like some of the great things about it. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm sitting there pondering, like, what if a company like Fantasy Flight, you know, kind of a giant mega company, in, in, at least in the board game space, like, what if they did some kind of model like this? What would that look like? I don't know if it would ever work. It's just kind of interesting to think through, you know, more than just a kind of an indie publisher, but somebody can, that's more established, that's it's further along. I wonder, I don't know if, that, if they'd have an incentive to do it, because basically they're bringing in uh, somebody to give them more money. <laughs> you know, they, they probably want to just pay the designer, you know, 8% or 10% or whatever the percentage gets, uh, you know, negotiated at. Yeah. Just kind of interesting to think about it. But it is definitely something I, I can see up and coming publishing companies working, especially like you're saying, if you have people you trust, you know, all this is built on trust. But actually, let's, let's talk about that for a second. You, you mentioned co- a contract you have with the designer for some future things down the road. Do you have any other contracts in place just to protect people just from the legal side? Yeah, definitely. We we have a contract for our collab, so we we established that. And um, one of the big things is that um, we just want to review all the details of what we're doing, kind of at a really regular intervals, so that everybody feels comfortable with the level of effort that everybody's putting in, and kind of what that means in terms of um, kind of what that profit payout is going to look like. And, you know, we had to have the real sit down uh, before our Kickstarter launch and said, you know, we have to hit a certain number or we basically just break even. And that means nobody gets paid, right? We just get a game out there, which is great. And we, we you know, we feel pretty confident that we will, that we will. And, and, you know, flat out had to put out the, um, initial finances for just getting us to that point right the collab members aren't um required uh to uh give any sort of financial backing at the start it's basically just say like you know trusting that you invest your time and 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 then it will pay off um so i will say that like um to the other point before about like a a larger company whether or not it'd be feasible one of the things that um, I think is really valuable is like for us as a small company, it meant that we had to take on a little bit less upfront up risk because if we had to just pay Dylan, you know, thousands of dollars for the graphic design and we had to pay for more of the services, the development services, that sort of thing, pay people to help us, then we're taking on a pretty large upfront risk. Now that could turn into a really a much larger reward for us as well. Uh, if, uh, the game is successful enough to do much more than break even, but to be very profitable for us. It means that we're not sharing um, as much of the pie with other people. Um, But for a small company, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that because it it reduces a lot of that risk. It's just like people banding together to say, hey, let's do a thing together. We have resources to get it off the ground. And that way, like if, if it works out great, like we all, we can all be happy about that. As, as you start to get into a larger company, like I said before, the capital leaving that company could be um, could hinder the ability to scale up. I think, and you know, I'm 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 definitely not a business uh, person. I don't have any formal background in that. I only know what uh, you know. Molly, Rob, and I have been able to kind of build together, and just through 
just general logically thinking about, you know, uh, working with people and um, having good relationships and doing things that are fair and just. And, you know, that's that's always the, the kind of compass that guides us is we just want to do something that works for everybody involved and, and makes everybody happy. So, uh, yeah, I think there's there's just there's tons of opportunities um, at the smaller scale. I think it's I think the challenge is like, how does that start to scale up? And that's something that we're just going to have to discover. And, and hopefully if we with we lead with that kind of a um, an ideal, then I think we'll, you know, we'll be able to find the sweet spot, hopefully. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting as you kind of figure this out as you go long term, because I can see a, a scenario where, you know, a graphic designer or an artist, you know, is working on a game. And depending on how well the game does on Kickstarter or how it does in the market, they could make a lot less money potentially than they would have if they had just charged you an upfront fee or, you know, charged you 20 bucks, 50 bucks an hour, whatever their normal rate is. And so everybody's taking a risk. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. And I guess you're really just as a company, uh, hoping you don't flop, you know, hoping you don't run into a scenario <laughs> where you don't fund and like, well, we all put a lot of effort and we all got nothing. But uh, at the same time, you know, is that kind of high risk, high reward? You're, you're basically playing business, a push your luck game <laughs> in a lot of exactly. ways. Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting uh, to see how it all, all play out. Now, Walk me through just a regular old week with, with your with your team, right? Because game design is is funny in that it's got these highs and lows for different things. You know, sometimes you're doing a ton of development work. Sometimes you're doing none. Sometimes you have a ton of art that needs to get done. Sometimes you don't want any art done because you're not sure what's going to change and you don't want to waste your time or waste your money. So walk me through just a normal week and kind of how people fit in and, you know, do different tasks and that kind of thing. Yeah, so um, I'd say we we try to have a Skype meeting Every few weeks, we don't do it super regularly, but we're very active in terms of um, instant messaging. So every day there's a conversation, uh, you know, just on Slack and and tagging different people with tasks that need to get done. Um, For Calico, especially um, myself and Rob and Molly have kind of taken on the project lead role and just kind of making sure that things get done at the right appropriate times that they need to. And we've tried to break out certain areas for delegation. So, um, you know, the rule book, for instance, Kevin's been kind of just running with that, right? He's just been making changes to it, that sort of thing. So it's just one of those tasks where we just have to, you know, check in every once in a while. As we do blind play tests, we make we make revisions, that sort of thing. And so we're, you know, we're always checking in with one another and we're always just trying to keep that conversation rolling, really. Um, and we're in some ways, it's kind of funny because we're sort of like always flying by the seat of our pants. Um, but we're also just trying to um, get get everything done. And we rely, I'd say, really, at least through this first process, um, I, I have to give a shout out to our good friend, uh, Joseph Chen, who who's the designer developer, publisher of Fantastic Factories. Uh, He's a local guy, really, really good friend. They had a lot of success with their Kickstarter. And so he's been like such a textbook on like what what to do, what not to do, that sort of thing. So our team has really relied on a lot of outside sources too that are really generous with their time and their knowledge. You know, we spend a lot of time online and talking to different people there as well. And just, you know, we have so many friends, uh, Carla from Weird Draft Games. She's a great friend. She's offered a lot of advice and and given us uh, a lot of guidance in terms of um, different things that um, we could do as a team. So I think um, the typical week is really just us kind of all trying to figure out what, what the heck's going on and, and just trying to get tasks done. Um, you know, we 
we just put out the Kickstarter um, this week. And so it's been really crazy. Um, but everyone, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows because some some weeks there's not a whole lot that happens. Some weeks we're coordinating a whole bunch of reviewers and previewers and that sort of thing. So it really, as we start to work on multiple game projects too, it's going to start to, there'll be cycles of things. Right now, the focus has been totally on Calico. Um, aside from all of us that are involved in Calico are also basically all of us are designers working on other projects. So it's sort of like Calico gets so much attention, but then all of our other projects also have to get attention in a week. So uh, we're just trying to be cognizant of everybody's time. And that's another advantage of having a team is that like, if I'm slammed because my game design uh, fuel is only, you know, it's kind of depleted because I've got to, you know, work on development work for another one of the games that we have coming out with a different publisher. Like that's, you know, I love that I can just kind of rely and say like, hey, David, um, take take this on and, and run with it, that sort of thing. So typical week is really just like uh, us all kind of working together and trying to collaborate and jumping in where we can. Um, and and so, yeah, it's been, it really is a truly open and collaborative and democratic way of approaching things. Yeah, and that's one of the places I see so much value in what you're doing. Like you're saying, like if, if you have craziness going on, maybe something comes up at home, maybe you got a kid that's sick whatever the situation is, you can reach out into the team and say, Hey, I, I can't get this playtesting session done. Can somebody else run it this week? Can somebody else, you know, fill in the gaps? Cause you can't do that with a contractor. You can't reach out to the artist and be like, Hey, you, we don't really know each other. Um, can you run a playtest session? Like it doesn't, doesn't work. Right. <laughs> and so that's a really cool system that, that you have where you can kind of fill each other's gaps and make it work. What have been some of the other challenges that you've run into, you know, different things that maybe you didn't see coming that you kind of had to figure out as you went? Yeah, I think the one of the biggest one is just delegation and like figuring out who who will do what task and when it needs to be done and um just setting up schedules and deadlines and those sorts of things like there when you have a really like loose and kind of democratic system then you also need to have enough structure that you have like a tight schedule and you have um basically something to rely on. So I think one of the biggest challenges is just like figuring out um, who is capable of doing everything and who has the capacity to do everything at any given time. And then just using our team's resources uh, the most efficiently and effectively. So um, I think that's something that we're, you know, we're just constantly learning how to do a better job of. Um, and, you know, the leadership on our team just need to sort of learn how to, just trust people to run with things. And as we learn, learn how to do things better, it'll get better. Cause it's, you know, part of it is like, um, doing a thing and then having five other people like comment on that thing, whether it's good or bad, you know, like we try to keep like a really positive, um, sense about everything that we do. Um, cause it's really important to like make everybody feel like their work is really valuable and that sort of thing, because it can easily turn into like, Oh, I did this thing. And like, Oh, we should have done it this way or we should have done it that way. And so we've been really lucky that I think we're all pretty relaxed about this and in the sense that we um, are able to work together without, you know, any, there haven't been any like explosive, like um, fights about anything. We definitely have disagreements all the time about like a direction that we could go. And so we've just had to talk it through, but this is something that Molly, Rob and I have had to deal with for, you know, almost three years now working as a team so that democracy and like diplomacy of like trying to work um 
work at all angles is something that I think that we can bring to the team is that we're used to working in a collaborative environment that is pretty pretty democratic in the sense that there's no real like top down like we must do this this way um because in the end you know like we flat out games obviously kind of has to have final say if there's ever like a stalemate in terms of like how we want to move forward you know you need that leadership to be able to like say we're making this decision because of x um but at the same time the value of ha- allowing people to feel like they have enough stake in something to be able to stand up and say, like, I don't think this is the right way to take this, um, I think is a really important part of the process. So we are, you know, that those are the biggest challenges is just like trying to overcome the idea that when you have all these equal voices at the table, somebody sometimes just has to stand up and say, hey, we got to go in this direction. You know, let's let's just all agree to get, take consensus on this so we can move on. Yeah, it's one thing I was sitting there thinking about is like, how do you handle scenarios or situations where you just need somebody to take charge, at least for that moment? I mean, you can't have a scenario or a situation where you're just like, all right, y'all work on the game when you feel like it. I mean, you you have to have some structure and you have to have somebody kind of driving things forward. And and is it valuable to have, you know, a person that's in charge of certain things and and still, you know, spreading things out and splitting things up and it's still kind of equal and fair and whatnot, but just having someone in charge. So if you do run into a, a, a moment where you've got five uh, people with five totally different opinions or, or you know, things that they think it should be. And like, what do you do? How do you solve that? And this actually reminds me, I've got a friend who is a pastor uh, at, a, at a church and there's two other pastors, three pastors on staff. And each of them kind of has equal 33% roughly uh, say in everything, mm-hmm. except they're all in charge of certain things. And if there's ever a disagreement, whoever's in charge, they get the final say that, you know, if, if there's three opinions and then whatever about, finances or about direction, about the upcoming Bible study, whatever they're doing, then it mm-hmm. kind of reverts into, well, who's in charge of this category? They get the last word on whatever it is. So if we can't come to, you know, kind of a, a democratic decision on something, then that person gets the di- dictator or di- dictatorial, I guess, <laughs> decision that they get to make. <laughs> you guys have some kind of system like that, or have you run into those scenarios? You know, I don't think we necessarily have a system like that, but I think it is structured such that, um, you know, there's a lot of trust tied up in the people that have the experience, right? So um, we don't always agree and we don't always make the decision necessarily that Dylan would make on a graphic design decision. We all talk about it and then maybe we find a different uh, solution. At the same time, our team really respects his his expertise. So, uh, you know, if he's got a strong feeling about something, I think that that's where we say, you know, this is, we trust you and, and let's move forward with it. So that sort of thing. Um, is really important is to just like trust and respect people for their for their expertise. There's plenty of uh, situations where none of us have expertise, so we kind of have to figure it out as we go. Um, I I think we you know we haven't run into any like stalemate positions um, where you know we have really butted heads in the sense that that we're sort of at an impasse. So we've been pretty lucky in that regard, and and honestly, we don't have a sort of like a code for how we break those stalemates. But I think what I'll say is that the most important thing is to have a uh, common goal, right? So the common goal with Calico is to, you know, get that game, you know, we are positioning that game in a place to succeed as a sort of family weight, uh, you know, tile laying game that we want on the store shelves next to Azul. You know, we want this to be that kind of a game that has universal appeal that sort of like anyone can learn it, but it really 
even though we've play tested it a hundred times, we're still trying to master all the nuances of the scoring and that sort of thing. That's the goal. That's the ultimate goal is to make this game just as great as possible and to get it out there into as many people's hands as possible. And everybody on the team can agree on that. You know, we have that goal in sight. That is our aspiration. You know, how, how close we get to that aspiration obviously remains to be seen, but that is the aspiration of every single person on the team. And that just has to be clear from the start. And then that way, if you set goals, um, if that's the ultimate goal, then you can start to, you know, the ultimate goal isn't to make the most amount of money, right? It's that is the aspiration and that's the goal. So we can always ask ourselves, how much is this helping us get towards that goal? And you know, that goal is pretty abstract, right? It's not necessarily a finite thing that would help us break a tie or something, but at least it gives us a sense of the team all having the same aspirations all at the same time. Yeah, and I think that's a really great way to structure it. And like you're just saying a moment ago, it also, you know, you want to just rely on someone else's expertise. You know, if you're not an expert, then if you have a difference of opinion, well, still kind of trust them to know what they're doing. I do this all the time with the graphic designer that I'm working with on, on my games and books and whatnot. I'll say, you know, at the end of the day, you know this stuff better than I do. And so you make the choice on that. I trust your opinion. I trust the decision that you're going to make. And I think, again, that gets back into, you know, just trusting the people that, that you work with. Now, any other challenges that you've run into? Yeah, I mean, I think that aside from um, just trying to do this kind of the, for the first time, I, I guess the biggest challenge is like, how do you, um, how do you even like define what you're doing, or like, how does our model fit within the industry, and how can we be kind of successful? I think that that's the question: is like, what's the next step um, as a design development and publishing collaborative? Like, what where do we want to spend our time and energy and and how do we get towards our goal if our goal is to get these games out there and just get them into as many hands as possible and and, and just get our art out into the world and have people enjoy it um what's the what's going to be the kind of best way for us to do that so we have to define for ourselves over the you know coming months and years like what well, what is that? And, and, and we're going to, there's going to be some like trial and error. There's going to be some figuring out of like where we want to go into the future. But I think that a huge part of the challenge is like, we, we obviously have other publishing companies that we look up to. Um, and I think there's a lot of like the, especially from like a product design perspective, I'll say like the types of games we want to make and the types of products we want to put out there. I think that we have a lot of, um, good examples. So we kind of know what that, what the end of the road looks like in terms of the game itself. Um, but the process, you know, there, you know, we, we're still kind of figuring that out. Right. And, and so hopefully that the conversations that we're starting to have with different people and, and as people find out kind of what we're doing, um, can reach out to us and talk to us a little bit more about it. Cause we, we'd love to keep going on a similar model, but I think one of the biggest challenges is like how we don't really know that and like how successful, is it going to allow us to be? Um, and so a lot of that just kind of relies on, you know, are we going to be able to have the skills to pull off our aspirations? Yeah. Sorry. Let's, let's talk perfect world scenario just for a moment. Things do work out. You are able to pull those things off. What does the future look like? What do you hope for as far as, you know, traveling down this road and doing things bigger and better and more and that kind of thing? Yeah. For me, Personally, it's just to have really good relationships with as many people as possible in this industry. Really cool people making really cool stuff. Like, I want to be able to work with different people and like 
do things together where we can play on each other's strengths. Um, so ideally that just means kind of more game projects and, and more stuff getting out there. Um, having our, our built, having building new teams and, and different ways of doing things. I mean, in a perfect world, I, I'd love for us to take this model and to have other people start, um, start doing it in a similar way right and and start doing some of the aspects of it that work for them right so we've found something that um you know has worked with worked for us so far and we don't even know you know we're like midway through project one i like to kind of joke it's like okay we've now like launched the kickstarter um and so the like to me from our skill set perspective like the easy part is done right the hard part is still the like delivery of that product to people which is something that we have less experience with but we're super curious like we're just we're staying curious and we're super interested in it but i think that the future just holds like hopefully just successful games games that we can bring to our backers that's a huge accomplishment just like getting your backers like a game that they're happy with and it's on time and all those sorts of things so maintaining um that reputation as a company i think is really really important to all of us um and so that's hopefully what the near future will hold and then into the future just means like scaling up and being able to do that more often with more different people and and um hopefully getting some projects out there that maybe wouldn't have gotten out there in the same way giving more agency to designers to have more say in their product and uh yeah Awesome. And speaking of, you know, other people taking on this model and trying to do it this way, what would be your best advice for someone who's sitting there, they're, they're listening to this, they're thinking, man, I, could, I might could do something along those lines. What would, what would you tell them? Well, I think it, it's, it's kind of along the same lines as if you were, if you want to get into publishing period, right? There's obviously that whole segment of, you know, are you sure you want to do this kind of thing? Um, because for us, it was sort of like, well, we have such passion for the product like if you don't have passion for what your game product looks like and actually like the marketing and the market placement and like getting your game out there into the into the world if that doesn't really interest you then like publishing probably isn't necessarily the area but um so say you're really interested interested in publishing or maybe you've already published your own game or self-published and you want to start to scale up and maybe start collaborating with some different people i'd just say i mean just find other people in your community or you know anywhere that um have similar values um that you think you have similar goals um and to try to collaborate uh with one another because i think organically that's something that probably got built out of our our game designers in Seattle. We've all just built this kind of really um, strong group of people that are always willing to like help each other out and give advice and that sort of thing. So I think like our worldview on publishing comes out of just being part of this really great community. So building community is just really important. So you want that like community support to be able to go on an, an endeavor like this. And so like we've sort of just built a small community as part of our team. and you know just having like like-minded people that want the same sorts of things at the table is really important and then just being fair to everyone you know and trying to be as equitable as possible um and trying to get all the voices at the table to um have a say um so that's you know i don't know that it's hard to know exactly how to do that and it's hard to know exactly how successful it's going to be for us but um as an experiment it's been going really well so far i think everybody's really happy and um thankfully the game's been uh, been going pretty well so um hopefully that means that project number two is coming on the way and so we'll learn even more things as we go but yeah just I, big biggest piece of advice is like reach out and 
just try to connect with other people that are doing similar things or don't don't do it on your own um and and also just be honest and and trust trust other people as much as you kind of want to be trusted um and and to um just working on things together yeah for sure and i'm excited to see kind of how this whole thing plays out and how it you know what it looks like in the future. I see, I just see so many advantages to it. One thing you just mentioned a moment ago was talking about how a designer has a say in what the game becomes, right? Most of the time when you sign a game with a publisher, it's theirs. And they'll, you know, they'll probably ask you for some feedback depending on, you know, what they want to do with the game and, you know, what they want to do with the art and the graphic design. You, you might have some say into it and as the development process goes, but at the end of the day, it's their game. They've bought it from you <laughs> and then you get a percentage of, of, of the, the, the sales. And, but with your system, if I'm a designer and I, I sign a game with you, well, now I get to be part of the entire process from, you know, soup to nuts, so to speak, of working with the art, mm-hmm. the graphic design, the Kickstarter, the the product design, all that stuff. And so I can see so much value in that. You know, I talk to so many designers who say, you know, I don't want to kickstart. I don't want to become a self-publisher. I don't want to do the business side of thing side of things. But at the same time, I don't want to give a a publishing company my baby and then them just, Mm -hmm. you know, turn it and do whatever and change it to anything that they want. And so they're kind of caught in that that middle ground of not knowing what to do. Well, your system seems to kind of solve that middle ground uh, issue. And so it's really, really cool system. I'm really excited to see, you know, maybe other people try it, maybe do it in different ways, Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Yeah. Great. All right. So any closing thoughts, anything else you want to add to uh, what we've been talking about? Uh, no, I just, I mean, I want to thank my, my team. Um, I think this has like been a really cool opportunity that again, like I said, one of the things is like, you just need to find people that are kind of willing to take on those risks together and, um, just have a lot of like close friends that have worked really hard on a thing together. Um, so it just, it just makes, you know, Molly, Rob and I, it makes us really happy that we're able to, um, have success thus far. And, and, uh, so we're just excited to kind of move it forward, but, uh, yeah, I just want to want to give a shout out to the team. Cause I know it's a, a would have been a little harder to get all of us on, on the air here for this. And I'm kind of coming on as, as the representative. Um, but you know, as with any collaboration, it takes, it takes a village and, uh, there's, it's, it goes so far beyond just like the six and seven of us that have been working on it. Um, it, it really is like a larger community. So that goes to everyone on Twitter and everyone on Facebook and everyone in the Seattle area that's, that's given, given us help. So, um, that's, I think it's really important to just express gratitude, uh, where it's deserved because we would not be anywhere near where we're able to be uh, without those people that have been helping us out along the way. So yeah, just wanted to say thanks. Awesome. Well, like you said, you've got a game on Kickstarter right now. Give me like the two minute elevator pitch. Sure. So Calico, like I've talked about a little bit before, it's a puzzly tiling game of quilts and cats. So um, players are competing to sew the prettiest quilt and they'll be attracting different cats to their quilt. They'll be sewing on different buttons. Uh, Basically it's a triple layered puzzle so you have these really interesting multi-use tiles which are a color and a pattern so each turn the turns are super simple just placing a tile and drawing a tile but you can score points in so many different ways Uh, so it's really easy for anyone to get into but mastering it is very very difficult so um yeah we're just really excited about bringing that to kickstarter and uh um hopefully it'll uh be successful very cool well sean Man, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with the Kickstarter and uh, good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Thanks so much, Gabe. It was a pleasure.
Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?